can't come because he usually works on Sunday. Mm -hmm. He made it today. I'm very excited to see you. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say. But uh, I will pray. Uh, and I just want to welcome all the, um, the Busan Church plant, the second thing that I was saying now.
When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angels left them. Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, where many were gathered together and praying. And when he knocked at the door of the, of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. you are out of your mind. She kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is a changer. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out, of the prison, and he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Alright, so, you know, we see the church experiencing persecution. And we saw the first kind of real round of persecution come when uh, the, when Stephen was the first martyr. He says this, you know, this very poetic speech about the history of Israel and where they fit into the scheme of things, and he just starts rebuking them, and then, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees, they get angry. Paul's one of them. Saul, he starts, you know, they start throwing rocks at him, they kill him, and then this actually spreads the church. And whatever, what the enemy intended to, to destroy the church, actually, used, he, God uses it to spread the church. God uses it to expand his kingdom. And from there, a few men, they break out of their comfort zone of reaching out to only the Jews, and they start preaching to the, the gospel to Gentiles. And, and my last sermon was about the church in Antioch and how they reached out. You know, it's like them reaching out to the unchurched, mm-hmm. reaching out to the people that truly don't know about Jesus Christ. And they were at, at, they were able to establish one of the most influential churches that we know in the history of, of Christianity. It was a center of Paul's missionary work. You know, wherever he went on a missionary trip, he made sure that if he touched bases with Antioch, where he got his identity from. And then we read here in Acts chapter 12, another wave of persecution that starts. This time it's through a king by the name of Herod. Okay? This, this name should sound familiar to you. Okay? If you guys know, if you guys read the, uh, the gospel, okay, at the birth of Christ, we hear about a king Herod okay, that goes crazy and kills you know, a bunch of the, the, the Jewish babies. And it's, and it's not that kings back then really liked the name Herod. I thought that's what it was. When I read out of man, he really liked that name Herod. But the name Herod is not actually a first name, it's their last name. It's their surname. There's a line of kings that ruled this region of Judea back in the early New Testament days. So the Herod mentioned here in Acts 12, his name is Herod Agrippa I. He is the grandson of Herod the Great, from which we hear in the beginning of the Gospel, um, when we talk about the birth of Christ. And then when, in the time of Jesus' ministry, about 30 years later, we hear about another Herod. Okay, and that's Herod the Tetrarch. Okay, Tetrarch meaning uh, ruler of a quarter. Okay, he actually ruled a quarter of the Roman Empire. Okay, he was a very influential man. Um, 
And so these are the these are the, the, the Herods that are mentioned in the Bible. There are other Herods within you know these genealogy. Some Herods got snuffed out really quick. Some Herod, one Herod was actually pretty good. He was pretty just. And as we read this passage from Acts today, I want to do a like a character study of two of the people that are mentioned here. Okay? I teach at a Hagwan. And uh, I teach preschool in the morning, but in the afternoon I get to teach older kids, like fourth graders, third graders, and I'm actually teaching a group of five kids, actually six, that that took this, they went from kindergarten all the way to fourth grade within our Hagwa. So they're really good at reading. And right now they're reading a book called The People of Sparks. And then I actually like enjoy teaching them because they act they, they're you know they're smart enough to start thinking for themselves. And so, and I told them, I was like, let's do a character study about this guy named Tick. And then, you know, when I first give them these things, they'll give me like a superficial answer. They'll be like, oh, like, what, what, what's Tick about? Like, oh, teacher, he's mean. And I was like, oh, but I have to dig deep. Come on. And I start engaging in them in questions, and then they'll come up with an answer. It's like, oh, he's driven by like power. He wants power. And I'm like, he wants to be like Hitler. And I was like, ah, that's it. <laughs> you know, that's it. And so, you know, like today we're gonna do something like that. We're gonna look and do a character study on two of the people that are mentioned here in Acts chapter twelve. Okay, and the first person I want to look at is Herod. Okay, what's Herod all about? What's driving Herod? And so Herod, Agrippa the first, he comes from a long line of kings. And the name Herod comes from a Greek word, Greek name called Hero, Herodes which means Song of the Hero. Okay? And although this name might have seemed like a, a heroic name in nature, mm-hmm. none of these kings with this name were very heroic. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, they are mostly all cowards. I talked about King Herod the Great mentioned in the Gospel during Jesus' birth. Mm-hmm. Herod the Great, when we read this, we might, we might see a king that's bent on power. Who wants power? Power, power, power. But it's not a man defined by power, but it's a man defined by fear. It's a man filled with fear. Fear of losing power, so much fear and anxiety that he kills a generation of boys in Bethlehem. To wipe out something that he doesn't actually believe. He doesn't believe in himself. But he's like, oh, but just in case, just in case, I'm just going to kill all these two, like, two-year-olds and less. You got to kill them all. That's a man. Driven by fear. And then we have Herod the Tetrarch. His name is Herod Antipas. Okay. He was a very powerful man. He had, he, he had, he, his rule was over a vast majority of the Roman Empire. But okay, he had a fear of man. And he was manipulated by his wife and, his do- and her daughter to kill John the Baptist, whom he actually respected and, and feared. This is a Herod that had the opportunity to bring to give justice to Jesus, but out of fear of losing power over the Jewish leaders, he sends Jesus back to Pilate to do with the Jesus. Now we come to Herod here in Acts 12. Herod Agrippa the first. He's the grandson of Herod the Great. He's the, he's the nephew of uh, Herod the Petrarch. And when I see this, I see generational curse. I see a generation of kings driven by fear. Anxiety is being passed on 
When we read this passage in Acts 12, we see a man very anxious to please the Jewish people. So much so that he arrests and kills James just as a test. He's like, if the Jews are against this movement, I'm going to be against this movement as well. Jews being the main majority of the people that he had power over, he was very anxious to please them. He knows that the Jews, the Jews hated Herod. The, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they hated him. They hated his whole family. So he tries whatever it takes to get, get into the big races. He stops acting like a king. Now he starts acting like a peasant. And when he kills James, he takes a step back and he's like, all right, I'm going to see how they react. And when, they, when, he, when he realizes that killing James actually pleases the Jews, he goes and he snatches up Peter. He's going to execute him. This is a king that is acting like this. A king that is supposed to rule with honor and justice. He's acting like a child, picking sides on a playground. You pick child, you pick sides with a bully, but you don't want to get bullied. This king, who is supposed to have the highest authority in the land, has no authority. Why? Because he's acting out of fear and anxiety. He put his faith in the praises and in the, in the approval of man. And when you put your faith in the praise and the, in the approval of man, you live under a fear of man. Well, what if I lose their approval? What if they start giving me praise? What if they stop liking me? And when you live under a fear of man, you will never have true authority. Because when you live under a fear of man, you can't have peace. And peace is a platform in which we establish authority. Have you ever seen someone try to exercise authority and they have this fear and anxiety in their hearts? It's not very effective. Imagine if Pastor Christian, okay, he's sending out our Australia church plant, the city of Sydney. Okay, ten people are picking up everything and moving to a new continent. And imagine if Pastor Christian, when he was saying this, goes up to him and he's like, oh well, you know, it's really far. And, uh, you know, that's probably not going to really like you guys coming over here. And, uh, you know, and uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to join the church plan, but, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of nervous that, you know, it's not, not going to work out, but why don't you guys go? Why don't you guys go anyways? Do you think people are going to respond? Do you think people are going to pick up what they want, pick up everything and move to new continent based on the leading of a man that's filled with, with fear and anxiety? Yeah. does not work well. I met one of my favorite movies is uh, Saving Private Ryan. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember this scene in Saving Private Ryan. It's like you know, there's this platoon of, of people, of men, that are, that are their whole sole mission is to go find this one man. Because out of four or five brothers, they all died except for one, you know, Private Ryan. His brother, all his brothers died. And, he, and they, their, their job is to go and get this one guy so that he doesn't die that the United States Army doesn't have to go to their parents and say, all your, all your kids were killed in the war. Mm -hmm. So this, this platoon, led by Tom Hanks, is going, and he's, their job is to find this you know, private rank. And I remember this one speech. That his team, his group, is falling apart. And one of the guys, you know, he's played by this young guy, he's like, man, what do you think? This, this guy is more important than our lives. And I'm, I'm sick of this. 
And he gets up, he's like, I'm going to just go, I'm taking off. And he's about to leave. And then one of, one of uh, Tom Hanks' lieutenant, he picks up a gun, he's like, you leave, I'm going to shoot you. And everybody's like, oh, okay. people are getting all messed up. And then and they're driven by fear. And this whole group of this platoon is coming undone. And then Tom Hanks just asks a simple question. He's like, well, what's the odds on, what's the odds on us making it? Or something like that. And everybody kind of listens to what he's saying. And he says, you know what? Back home, I'm a history teacher. You know, and, and, you know, in the summertime, I, I, I coach baseball. And he talks about how he's here, you know, when he went back home, everybody knows what he's about. But here, he says it's different. It's changed too much. And, and his goal is to go back and see his wife. And he says, if, if finding this man is going to bring me a step closer to seeing my wife again, I'm going to go find this man. And then he, he picks up his stuff, and he walks over, and he starts, he picks up one of the, his dead soldiers, and he starts burying by himself. And, and he, he knows, he's a man, he, he knows his he, he knows why he's there. And he's a man established in a place of peace. He sets the tone, he sets the atmosphere of the soldier, and you know what happens? They all kind of follow him, and they all help him bury we need, we, we, in our in our attempt, or in our us going out and standing on our authority in Christ Jesus, the one thing that we need is we need peace. Peace is the platform in which we can exercise our authority. In the same way, authority that we have in Christ is first established as God's peace. There may not be peace around you, but peace will be in you. And it's also the year of wisdom. And in this year, as a church, we're going out and we're, you know, we're asking God for more wisdom. But let me tell you, peace is a platform from which we catch wisdom. I'm going to say that again. Peace is a platform from which we catch wisdom. And that's not for me. My wife. I was talking to her about the sermon yesterday, and she said it. And I'm like, I'm alright with him. But it is. There's people that will come to us wanting counsel, and they're like, oh, that's Christian, or Pastor Caleb, Pastor Mina, and they'll tell us all of this stuff and all these decisions that they have to make, or things that, that they want to go, and they don't know what to do. And then the first thing that we want to assess is are you established in peace? Are you, are you asking us this question from a place of peace? Because if they're not in a place of peace, no matter what kind of wisdom we give them, it's not going to make sense to them. Mm. Well, no matter how much wisdom that we know out on them, if they're not in a place of peace, they're not going to be able to catch them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to be established in peace. Because peace is a platform from which we catch wisdom. We are called to be a people of authority. We are called to be a people of wisdom. We are called to be a people of revelation. And let me tell you, that platform in which we catch any of this is the peace of the world. Because when, when we don't have peace, we lose clarity. When we don't have peace, we lose focus. When we don't have peace, we start having different priorities. All of a sudden, making money is more important than a church plan. 
peace is the platform. You know what? The enemy knows that. Because the enemy, first thing that he tries to get at you is to want to take your peace. Happened this morning. I was driving here. And I had clearly a green light. And I was about to make a, a right turn. And then this dude comes running a red light and he stops right in front of me. And I was like, oh, he's on me. <laughs> and I said, and then, and then I remember, I was like, man, I gotta preach this sermon. And I said, Lord, give me peace. <laughs> give me peace. Because you know what? The enemy, he knows that if he can take you off of your peace, he can get at your authority. Yeah. He tries to do that with us all. When we got here, we argued for some stupid reason. I don't even know. And we argued. There's something about an email, and I got arguing. And she's like, oh, you yelled at me. And I was like, man, why, why is it? And I realized, he throws his little face so he can take us off of our peace. Because yeah. when we're off of our peace, you know, we, we, we can't stand on our throne. When we're not in our peace, it's hard for us to catch wisdom. It's hard for us to catch, catch the revelation that he has. Enemy's mm-hmm. plan is to take you off of the platform of your peace. The peace that he wants to establish you. That God wants to establish you. So how do we get this peace? Well, the answer to this can be found by studying the other person mentioned in this passage, which is Peter. So what's happening to Peter? Okay. James was just arrested. Not only was he arrested, he was executed. He's the first of the twelve apostles to be martyred. Okay, not, not die, because Judas died. You know, but he's the first to actually get martyred. Harris thinking, don't just persecute, make it count. So he arrests and executes James, one of the sons of thunder, one of the influential, you know, the, one of the most influential of the apostles. Okay? And when he kills him and he realizes that it pleases the Jews, he gets the ringleader. He gets Peter. He puts him. He puts him in jail. And he wants, he wants to execute him. But you know what? It's Passover. It's during the days of unleavened bread. And he's afraid that he might anger the Jews by executing a Jew on the week that they celebrate the liberation of the Jews. A little ironic there. Yeah. So Herod decides to keep Peter in jail at the end of, uh, end of, the, in, end of the feast. And, and so Peter is in jail. He's being guarded by four squads of four soldiers. That's 16 soldiers. Taking turns guarding. Two are chained to him and two are standing at the door. He turns like every four or five hours. Okay. And so Peter knows that there's nothing physically that him and his friends can do to free him. Yeah. And he knows Herod means business because he has already, already killed James. That's right. He murdered James, his friend, one of the twelve. Peter should not be in good condition. Yeah. By most people's standards, he should be freaking out. <laughs> he has good excuse to be scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anxious. He's been, chained, he's been chained up for a week. And it's the last night. Herod is about to bring him out. He's about to stand. He's about to stand trial. And he's about to swiftly be executed. But what's Peter's reaction to all of this? He is sleeping. Because he's at peace. He has faith. Peace and faith, it goes hand in hand. You can't have peace without faith. And there's no faith if you don't have peace. And right now, Peter is faith. Leading into a place of peace. So much so that he sleeps. Peter is about to get executed. He's about to get his head chopped off. That's what it means to not be 
kill somebody by the sword. When a king kills you by the sword, he chops off your head. He doesn't just go like, and then walk away. <laughs> and he chops it off. He makes sure that you're dead. That's the execution. And, he, and, and you know when James died, he didn't go fight him. Yeah. He, he, Jesus nicknamed this guy the, the sons of thunder. <laughs> the brothers, James and, and John. Thunder, son, son, he's the one... When Jesus, when in Luke, they go to the sign in this town and rejects Jesus, they're like, God, Jesus, should I rain down fire from heaven and destroy these people? I said, he can't. <laughs> <laughs> he, he thinks he can do it. Listen, this dude had zeal. Right? He had the zeal of the Lord. And you know when he got executed, he didn't go fight me. Right. He was preaching the gospel. You were like, Herod, you're going to hell. <laughs>
We signed this contract, and then all of a sudden we found out that if somebody doesn't take our, our new apartment, we're going to end up having to pay double rent. And then also this huge penalty on our chemo, like 400 bucks. And I was like, oh man. And so the day came, and then like they gave us like two months like, to, to sell our, not sell, but to, to put our uh, apartment on the market. And that time came, and then now the money starts to accrue. It's like, oh, every day we stay, we have to pay money. And actually, as a matter of fact, we're paying double money. We're paying double rent. We're paying this extra penalty. And I remember the first, like, first month, I was mad anxious. And I was like, oh, Lord, Lord, help me, Lord. And we were, we were praying, and I had this anxiety. And I, I was up here preaching, and I was like, oh, I have this anxiety, I don't know. And then after a while, God started to establish me in my peace. And you know what established it? I started remembering every good thing that he's done for me. I started looking back. I used to be drug addict. I, used to be, I was homeless for a while. I was in prison for a while. And, I, and as I started thinking about every stupid thing that I've done, and every amazing work of God that brought me to where I was, I started thinking, man, God is in control. As, as I start to remember God's faithfulness in my life, there's a peace came over me. Yeah. And you know what? I had more peace. Our apartment didn't go for eight months. So we, we moved into our new apartment in October. For eight months, we paid double rent. For eight months, we paid this penalty. But you know what? I was, I had less stress, and I was less anxious about it on the eighth month than I was in the first month. During that time, God started to remind me, show me His goodness. He was, he was showing me, man, I'm, I've been with you. Yeah. You haven't starved one day in your life. Look at you. <laughs> You've never gone hungry. You've never not had a place to sleep. You've never been unemployed. And, and, and God was, he was, he was so faithful to me. As He reminded me of this peace came peace of the Lord was on you. You have to remember what God has done. Yeah. The second point. I believe that Peter he had this peace because he was practicing what he preached. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter 5, 6. First Peter 5, verse 6. It says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Peter wrote this because he had done it. He casted his fears and anxiety, gave it to God. You know what the key to breaking fear and anxiety? Is you have to give it to God. I'm not saying that you're not, you're not, not supposed to have fear and anxiety. You know, you, there's sometimes fear is good. It's a defense mechanism. You know? Someone is coming at you with a gun, that should put fear in your heart so that you run. Right? It's a, it, sometimes fear is good. So there's, there's a healthy fear. I remember a long time ago when I was in L.A., I was hanging around with a bunch of bad people. And then I remember one time I was hanging around in this like, kind of bad neighborhood, with all these drug dealers and stuff, and, and you know, they're supposed to be gangsters. Oh yeah, I'm a gangster. 
And then we're all sitting there talking, drinking beer, and this one guy pulls up in a car and he takes out a gun. And goes, I'm not a gangster, I start running. <laughs> I'm running. I, just, I feel I, I don't know why, I just felt like there's a bullet on my back. I turn around and I look, and then all the gangsters run away from me. We ran, we ran down the hall, and we turned, and I was like, and we looked out, and then the guy was laughing and drove away. I was like, that was fear. But then that kind of fear is good. If you see a lion on the road, right, you should be scared. You should run, right? Jesus, we're not supposed to remain in our fear and anxiety. If you're, if you're living in life and there's this, this weight of fear and anxiety on you, you're supposed to break that off. Yeah. We're not supposed to operate from a place of fear. We're not supposed to make decisions from a place of fear. The key is that you lay that fear down. It's not that you're not supposed to have fear. It's not that you're not supposed to have anxiety. You're supposed to, when you do have it, you lay it down without speaking. You lay it down to God. I know it's not from you, so it's God will never the fear, he'll put the fear of God in you. But whatever fear that you feel, this anxiety that you have, is not from him. When it's not from him, you lay it down in the streets of God. You lay it down in the feet. How do you do that? My third point. Peace comes through prayer. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. It makes it sound like the church was praying and Peter wasn't praying, but I'm going to tell you, Peter was praying. When fear and anxiety strikes us, the first thing we need to do is pray. The language of peace is prayer. And a lot of people, though, when fear and anxiety, they come, the first thing they do is they try to solve it. They try to resolve it. They try to use their power, their knowledge, their abilities to handle the problem. Handle that fear. Like I said, when you're operating in fear and anxiety, the decisions, the choices, and the actions that you make are not always the wisest ones. That's why we need to pray. Before anything, when it comes, we have to pray. Pray first. Finances. So many people are driven to fear by anxiety over finances. And the first thing that many people come up with is, I have to make more money. Money will solve this problem. People that think like this tend to always have fear and anxiety about money. Mm-hmm. No matter how much money they make. We have to come to a place of peace. It comes through prayer. You lay it at his feet. Do it through prayer. Philippians 6 and Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything but in prayer. But everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. No, but there's one thing that Luke adds in this story. Okay? The kind of, it's, it's kind of a funny, it's almost a funny antidote, but it's a, it's a lesson for us to learn. When we pray, we have to believe. Mm-hmm. We have to have faith in what we pray. Later on in chapter 2, we, we see that the church is praying. Praying earnestly. They're praying together, they're praying for Peter. But when Peter, through a miraculous hand of God, comes knocking at the door, they ignore him. Thinking that it's his, it's his angel. They actually believe that he's already dead. But when we pray, there's a lesson for us. 
when we pray, we have to bring, we have to pray from a place of faith, yeah. knowing that it's already done. <laughs> we have to, when we pray, we have to know that it's already done. Because you know what? God says it's already done. It's done in me. And that's the prayer that brings peace. You want your prayer life to bring peace into your life? Pray with faith. Yeah. As you give it to God, you say, you know what, God? It's already done. And then, you know, you, you, it's done. The God is done. You said it's done, so it's done. And then you just wait with faith. A lot of times when we pray, we pray from a lack of faith, and we think, it's almost like we're groveling to God. God, please, 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 please. God, please, 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 please. God, please, 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 please. Just do this for me one I promise I'll do this. I won't do that again. Please, God. That's not a, that's not a prayer of faith. That's how we deal with people. That's how sometimes that's how children yeah. deal with authority. Mm-hmm. But as people of God, when we pray, we pray from a place of faith. We say, yeah. God, I pray this. And then know it's done in your name. Mm-hmm. And then you say, I'm gonna wait in faith. And that's the prayer that brings peace. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the type of prayer life that's gonna bring peace into your life. My last point. I want to close with this. We find peace by setting our eyes upon Jesus, upon Christ. Fear and anxiety is the opposite of peace, and being so is the opposite of Christ. Because He is the Prince of Peace. A lot of things out there that can claim to give you peace, but they will fail because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It's his peace that will endure because it's his peace that is eternal. He alone is a source of real peace. In my class, I have a teacher, she's cool, she's a yoga teacher. And I remember I came to school one time and I saw the lights were out in her classroom. And then she was on the floor. And then her and her student were sitting there meditating. And I was like, man, that's not good. I pray, I pray against it, Jesus' name. But then if you think about it, that yoga, med- whatever meditation that he took, it might make her calm. Okay? It might actually make her calm so that she actually feels like a peace. But that's not true peace. Because peace, true peace, has to be attached to a truth. True peace can't come from nothingness. You know that? If you think that true peace can somehow come from nothingness, you're mistaken. Whatever nothingness that you're experiencing, that's calm, that's emptiness, but that's not peace. True peace can come from within because we are fallen beings. The only way we can have peace is if we have truth and there is only one truth, and that's Jesus Christ. It's faith in Him. We we, we try to establish peace with, with other stuff, money, fame, power, your friends, your family. If I try to replace my peace, try try to bring peace into my life through Ethan and Nina, it might be great for a while, but that's not true peace. It will fail you. There's only one true peace, and it comes from Jesus Christ. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave you. Peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. John 16, I have told you these things 
so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That right there, that's what brings me peace. I know that God, I know that Jesus, He's overcome all of this. He's overcome all of this. He's already won. He's already victorious. And that's the peace. That's the will. It comes from a truth. True peace can't come from nothing else. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Today, a sermon is called The Platform of Peace. And, and as a people of God, we need to be established in peace. That has to be the platform that we're standing on. If we don't have peace, we don't have authority. If we don't have peace, we may think we have wisdom, but it's not real wisdom. We may when we don't have peace, yeah. we may think we're getting all this revelation from God. But it's, it's, it's through a veil of cloudiness. Yeah. We don't have clarity. God, Jesus, came so that we can have peace. And it's in that peace that we find our identity. Yeah. And it's in that peace where the enemy can't shake us. Yeah. Yeah. He can't take us from our peace. He thinks he can. And sometimes we let him. And we let him take our feet sometimes. Going into our flesh. Ah! Dookie! <laughs> Cut me off! There's times when I feel like, man, why do I let these things take my feet? Why do I take, let these insignificant things throughout my day take me off my authority? Take me off of my wisdom. Take me out of the grace that's over me. Why? Amen. Why? And, then, and I, I realized, man, it's the easiest way for the enemy to make me ineffective. It's by taking my peace. But you know what? When we don't give it to him, that's when we are firmly planted the peace of the Lord. And in that peace, we are strong. In that peace, we are wise. In that peace, we have authority. I want us to close our eyes. I want to pray for you guys, some of you guys here that are suffering from this really severe fear and anxiety. And you know, the steps that I told you about, that works. But sometimes, fear and anxiety is demonic. And it needs to be it needs to be casted out by man of authority, mm. like Jesus did. And right now, I want to break fear and anxiety off some of you guys today. And I think I've actually preached this sermon before, in whatever shape, way, would make, way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I've preached on anxiety and fear before. I prayed this prayer before. <laughs> Today, I want you guys to know that fear is not from God. Fear of man is not from God. Mm-hmm. Fear of what will happen to you in this world. Fear of the unknown. Anxiety 
insomnia, lack of sleep, is not from God. It's not from the Lord. But what is from the Lord is peace. Peace. So much peace. Peter was found sleeping on the day of his execution. So much peace that no matter what the, the enemy throws at us, he can't get at us. It's, it's, a, it's a weapon. Peace is a weapon. Not a feeling. There's power in peace. Today, you guys are suffering. Some of you guys are in here. You guys are dealing with just random fears. Random bouts of anxiety. You don't know why you're anxious. You just are. You don't know why you're staying up late at night, worrying. You just are. I want you guys to stand up. Is anybody in here? are suffering from just irrational fear, irrational anxiety. I want you guys to stand up. And I just want to pray for you guys. You guys have to know that it is not from God. It's not from Him. Anxiety is not from God. Fear is not from God. Peace that comes. 
peace I leave with you. The peace I give you. I do not give as you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. I have told you these things so that you, that in me, you may have peace. Thank you. 